Hey listeners, welcome to Brown Girls Read Podcast. This is your host, Taman Tiwana. And this is Kathy Thakur. And both of us love reading books. On this podcast, we bring our stories, our culture and our favorite books to you every month. And we discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Today, we are discussing The Power. Before we begin our discussion, Kathy, do you want to give our listeners an overview of the book? Sure. The Power is a book written by Naomi Alderman. The background of the premise is set up in the sense that in a matriarchal society, a male writer writes to an influential author who is a woman about his account of how the matriarchy came to be. 5000 years earlier, which is our current time, men dominated the society. Then women developed the ability to send electrical jolts from their fingers. This power helped protect the women from the male atrocities. But in addition to protection, women could attack and even kill men. And this is how women became the dominant gender. The story is spanned over a decade and the book is divided into several parts starting from the beginning of that decade. There are a few main characters who serve as the point of view for the readers. There's Roxy, who is one of the first ones to get this power at the age of 14 and it happens when she watched her mom getting attacked. And then there's Tunde, who is the only main male character and he plays a pivotal role because he's the one who records the use of power happening and shares it online. After which it's on news channels and everywhere else. Tunde because he got famous with that one video of his that started this frenzy of videos he becomes a self-proclaimed journalist for CNN he starts traveling to different countries to take videos of how women in different countries are reacting to their power another character in the book is ali who is a teenage girl fostered by a couple a cruel couple who had hit her abused her raped her and she's the one who ends up killing the foster father with that power What's interesting about Ali is that she hears a voice inside her that she thinks is her long lost mom. This voice has been her guiding light all through. After killing her foster father, she runs away and reaches a convent. This place is kind of a refuge for girls who have discovered their power and who have been shunned from their families who thought they were demons. Ali hides her real name. She calls herself Eve. starts to behave as if she's their healer she tells them that she hears god's voice she has formed a cult of her own and has proclaimed herself as mother eve so this was the character overview in this book we'll get back to the discussion after a word from our sponsors all right now kathy let's get into our discussion What's absolutely refreshing to read and although it's all a fantasy is when the news spread that girls have got this weird thing going on where they can electrocute guys parents told their boys to not go out alone because it's not safe i have dreamed of this world ever since to me this was a reminder of the alternate reality from the book which is actually our reality where boys have harassed girls for no reason hurt them for no reason and then girls are made to stay in as a result because now parents want to protect them we all know there are like girls only schools for this reason specifically yeah and we get to see such a different reality in this book now since tunde is actually traveling to different countries because he is a journalist to cover this new turn of events 
A very interesting anecdote that is mentioned is in Riyadh. Women have started a series of protests there against men. And I was thinking, in all the extremely violent protests that have ever happened anywhere in this world, men have been the cause of violence. Yep. There are mobs of just men that we see in newspapers setting things on fire in protests against religion or anything else. It felt so refreshing and empowering to imagine women doing something like this to get straight with men. And men who were like staring scarily at women doing these things. It was so wonderful to read that. I know. I, I totally relate with you. I found another thing very interesting in this event. When this mob of women was attacking and protesting, there still was a group of women who was making sure Tunde, being an only male journalist there, was not harmed and he was safe. And this reminded me of all these sexual assault and rape cases. Like, we all have heard of the Nirbhaya case, which took seven years to come to justice. And it was such a horrendous act. These women in a real world meant no harm to these men, but they were still hunted and harmed and killed. This particular situation goes to show me that even when women are in power, they still probably have a heart. Yeah. That they don't have that malice to kill you or attack you or use you just because you're a male and they see you as prey. Right. If Tunde was a woman filming a revolution of hundreds of men, I trust that she would have been groped, assaulted or even raped by now. Oh yeah, for sure. Because that's their testosterone or adrenaline or, you know, whatever shitty excuse patriarchy has provided men with. Yeah, that's absolutely right. During one of Tunde's journalism trips, there's also mention of female victims of sex trafficking who were kept in a jail and they have their power woken in them by a young girl bringing them their meals. And then they kill every man. It was so satisfying to read. I know it's a fiction, but in cases like these, I wish it was the truth. Me too. Can you imagine how all of this would stop completely if girls get this power in them in reality? Yeah. It's mentioned in the book, uh, there's this country called Moldova. The women form their own paramilitary gangs there and they free themselves from sexual slavery and they overthrow the government. By the way, I just did, like, I just googled Moldova after that because, and it seems like one in every hundred women are sex trafficked in Moldova, which is for real. It has been a country only for the last 20 years, by the way. So for such a young country, it's kind of very scary to see that. That's really sad. Like, that's their foundation, I guess. I know. Yeah, that's, there's a country for sex trafficking. Like, what kind of a world is this? (laughs) And even in our country, India, there has been such a recent rise of gender-based crimes, right? That it's just scary. But the book also gives us an alternate universe for India, where women have power now and they are called Kali. And they speak of Delhi, where um, there was a time that women couldn't walk alone. And now the women have risen and they walk in solidarity with others. There's one quote, a woman shouts into Tunde's camera and says, now they will know that they are the ones who should not walk out of their houses alone at night. They are the ones who should be afraid. Fair or unfair, this is an emotion I think we have all felt. Right. That why are we in this position where we have to be careful about when we are going out or to worry if the streets are dark or shady 
and have all these time and dress rules imposed on us i know and i'm sure every woman has at some time questioned this and has fantasized of this alternate reality i know i always think about the last time i was in india and i wasn't afraid to go out alone it is getting horrible with each passing year especially for women yeah and i'm sure all the women must be so tired of hearing the same things from their parents that they shouldn't go out alone at night and it's all the more frustrating when you see your brothers going out and you know just with their friends and you are stuck in your home because your parents are scared to send you out alone i know i remember when we were growing up there were all these rules that come home before it's dark come home before it's 8 pm or something like that yeah. and now when we hang out in groups and i listen to the male friends telling stories of their upbringing in india they would talk about how they and their friends would go out late at night have drinks have street side food and make all these fabulous memories i think we were just denied all of those experiences solely based on gender totally yes but i also think that this is the first time in the book like when tunde was in delhi that the misuse of power is actually shown there's this woman in delhi who runs behind tunde to rape him and this shows that how power could corrupt anyone up until now they have only shown how women have used this power to get justice but now was where they show the other side of the coin yeah that's true and i think it also shows tunde a different side of this reality yeah like he's not scared and then he travels to besapara which is a new matriarchal country being created by ali in collaboration with the queen over there and he thinks it's it's safer and more lucrative for journalism he just goes there but it's not long before he starts to see the power imbalance there like yeah. the queen tetiana she implements new security rules as a result internet's blocked press is controlled police does not even investigate any male murders and there are all kinds of laws that each man should have his passport and documents stamped with the name of female guardian wow a female guardian's permission will be needed for any journey a male has to undertake that's and awesome that, <laughs> and that any man who breaks these laws will be subject to capital punishment and no man can take money possessions out of the country men cannot drive cars they cannot own businesses they cannot gather in large groups and women are allowed to discipline them if they break these rules i was actually like wow I mean of course this is sexism and inhuman and it is actually in line with the Taliban law which imposes these rules on women today but doesn't it feel so good to read those words for once like something like this happening to men yeah and like forget Taliban law which is very extreme even our uh, passports they have a male guardian's name or always right oh yeah if my passport has my father's name and sometimes when you get it changed after marriage then they will put like wife off or something yeah but if it's my brother's passport he will always have father's name there is no ownership to any woman right i know and i don't know who imposes these rules like when i was getting married i was really sad because like then i'll have to leave my home and when we go on vacations to india now i'll have to like spend time at my husband's house <laughs> <laughs> so 
so i was talking to my mom one day and then she was like you know this is how the rules are and girls have to kind of leave their parents house and stuff like that and i was like who made these rules like who told you that this has to be a rule or this has to be a thing that you do after marriage like well, so- some man did for sure cuz he's like i don't want to leave my house i'll just make the girl do that i know yeah exactly this just reminds me of something i read very recently that uh, how in india if a girl is taking a solo trip and if she is not doing her bookings herself and is going through an agent or something the agent makes the girl get sort of like a non compete <laughs> like a statement from the male guardian that oh. she has the permission to go alone it's not legally required but the agents still push for it and they sell it like oh yeah this will make sure you will get the visa for sure and it's just so appalling that wow yeah so is. this what we were reading here right uh, in the book that men have this rule they cannot travel without a letter from their female guardian it's the same thing that right. is really happening in our country might not be legal but culturally it's still imposed right hmm. yeah Well, speaking of Besapera, it also becomes unsafe for Tunde and he is alone, is unsafe on streets like we all women have felt at some point. <laughs> he, he is catcalled, women have yelled obscenities at him and then he sees that men are also being called sluts. Yeah, and uh, there's this very interesting sentence that he wrote in his diary. He says, for the first time today on the road, I was afraid. and then it occurred to me that you know why even men who call themselves feminists why they can't actually ever experience what we go through it's because they have never actually been afraid of walking on the road alone they have never been teased in metros no one has ever tried to touch them inappropriately no one has ever called them slut yeah Yeah and what they are called if they sleep around with girls is playboy which is not even a derogatory term you know so how can they actually ever understand what it is like to be a woman absolutely they actually act like it's a badge of honor for men right how conveniently men are encouraged to have sexual experiences and women are supposed to guard their virginity and no one sees the irony in that right like, clearly just creating a culture of lying and shame yeah and i have also noticed like how women have been very slyly taught to not talk about what is happening to them so much so that they have accepted it as a part of their daily lives this exact thing that we're talking about is explained by tunde when he writes these lines in his diary at first we did not speak our hurt because it was not manly now we do not speak it because we are afraid and ashamed and alone without hope each of us alone it is hard to know when the first became the second and he writes this about men right in the book but this is exactly how women feel today right who can't stand up for themselves for innumerable reasons it starts with just one one woman who was probably ashamed to say something that was done to her and it passes on and on and before we know it it becomes a norm to blame victims to blame women for getting raped to blame women for not taking care of their families and so on yeah you know what you're saying is so right and it's also reminding me of something i just read today 
how women have been passing on generational trauma one after the other like how if a woman was treated really badly by her in-laws she passes it on to her daughter-in-law and nobody yeah. is breaking the cycle and i think patriarchy will never let the cycle break yeah it won't since we are still talking about tunde i had an observation at many points in the book being the only main male character he is sort of objectified in several parts of the book for having like a charming grin or being attractive or something yeah. and none of the women are written like that this is such an opposite from a real world otherwise any book you read especially ones written by male authors the female protagonists are objectified always so to me this was very relieving and empowering at the same time to read yeah that's right also now in the book they mentioned that there is such a thing called guy flicks yeah i am so sick of this term chick flicks because you know it's kind of used in a derogatory sense even some girls you know they say that oh i don't like to watch chick flicks like in a derogatory way but now with this change in arrangement around the world there are guys watching guy flicks so that's great yeah but since you're talking about chick flicks which is our actual reality You know there's also a chick lit category in books chick literature treated like a lesser version of literature and oh then it's God. true in all other parts of life like take sports there is cricket and women's cricket football yeah. and men's football and then go to movies there will be like the mainstream movies and then the female oriented movies yeah. and in all of these i think there is a strong implication that one is the normal while the other is not and one is better than the other and then obviously girls are running away from these tags just to appear cooler or better than others right if you move on in the book we see that there are various men's movements that have also started against the atrocities being done by women and tunde of course as the main journalist he reports on those as well there is a different kind of terrorism coming up now a gender based terrorism if you say that So Tony is actually invited by this terrorist group to take an interview with them and that interview was interesting because you could see the two sides of the situation from the men's eyes right yeah and also in the book through a meninist thread uh, online reddit thread or something we see that people are really angry at mother eve that she is now being seen as god by people and they are angry because god is a he and not a she Oh yeah, I love that she calls that God is a she, right? Yeah, I love that too. This whole meninist group in the book is actually so reflective of the real meninist groups that exist, who just go online spew anger and hatred at the feminists and activists doing the real work. Yeah. At one point in the book I remember there is this head of meninist group. He says that, "Have you seen the numbers on domestic violence against men, on murders of men by women?" and to me this was again such a stark comparison to a reality i know it is so difficult to even imagine a world like that even if it's in a fiction novel right yeah and there is this quote in the book that i really liked it goes like this the subject is how many men do we really need think it over they say men are dangerous men commit the great majority of crimes men are less intelligent less diligent less hard working their brains are in their muscles and their pricks men are more likely to suffer from diseases and they are a drain on the resources of the country 
of course we need them to have babies but how many do we need for that not as many as women good clean obedient men of course there will always be a place for those but how many is that maybe 1 in 10 and i love this quote so much because it's so true right and i don't disagree with their ideology but i feel like towards the end of the book there is this huge atrocities being done on men on the basis of gender and i feel like there's no reason to kill or do these atrocities on one gender and today in the world like men are doing the same to women right so many men are doing it to women yeah. so i hope the world as it is today will realize that yeah and you know the quote you read it reminded me of a propaganda that happened years ago where some white guy decided to publish a article or a paper or something that said that white men have the biggest skulls so obviously their brains are bigger and they can have retain more information and then this was used to oppress women and also people of other races because they kept saying uh, other people's brains are smaller so they can't study they can't rise to a point of good oh job my God. scholars or something and it went on for years this unproven theory went on for years and it was used by these people in power and people in privileged positions to oppress others that's horrible yeah and to what you were saying that these people who are privileged they find themselves very comfortable in that place of privilege and very few actually feel the need to get out or to introspect or look outside even and this is exactly what patriarchy has given to men yeah that's right okay now let's move on from tunde to another man in this book ali's foster father who liked to think of himself as a good man educating a little girl in the men's world and when i read this i was like yeah that sounds familiar all of that's us are so ironic because this is the guy who's who rapes her right every day or something yeah and that's how he chooses to teach her lesson <laughs> but like in a not so extreme or horrific manner we still have experienced some of this in the form of mansplaining i think which yeah. is been done by these well meaning good men and i know this is out of context from the story but this was actually the first thought that came to my mind when i read this quote i'm sure there are so many men who i've met who think like that as well that this is a man's world and girls should be educated on how to stay in their boundaries what bullshit yeah or the whole idea that women don't have brains big enough to know things by themselves without these great insights from these men yeah and since you call bullshit i have to touch on something ali does after she becomes mother eve she starts doing all sorts of tv segments where she performs miracles healing people and we see that this is all orchestrated and this to me goes on to show that how power corrupts everyone and anyone giving them this god like sense of delusion so maybe power is the real culprit and not gender Yeah, that's true. And I also felt like this whole setup of Ali's conventions is so much like the Indian Babas where they do put on a similar show and then ask for donations from the audience, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> But you know, I also want to say that when you say that power is a real culprit, I think it has also been said in a same way in the book at some at certain points where they say that why would someone do such a thing? 
just because they can, right? Just yeah. because they have the power to do it, they do yeah. it. That's it. And that's why all the crime happens or most of the crime happens because people can do it and there probably is lack of accountability or repercussions for them. Yeah, exactly. Moving back to Mother Eve or Ali, I do like this message that she sends out to the world where she says, you have been taught that you're unclean, that you're not holy, that your body is impure and could never harbor the divine. You have been taught to despise everything you are and to long only to be a man. But you have been taught lies. It's such a simple, but such a powerful quote, right? Yeah. And I think that because even if Ali is sort of this godlike person now, she still comes from a position of having experienced all these atrocities and abuse herself. So a lot that she says in the book does not sound hollow or meaningless like the Babas usually do. Oh, yeah. I hate those Babas. And since we were talking about the power and control, the queen of Vesapara is much closer to the men in power that we see in real life, I think. Right. The way she treats men is so reflective of how men in power treat women in the real world. Like there are statements like men don't know how to be silent. Men are always interrupting the betters. Men need to be taught manners and so much more and worse. And we can also see that Ali does not like that. But yeah. then at the same time, she remembers that how worse it can be when men are in power. That's true. And since we are on the topic of men and power, there's another man in the book who is Roxy's dad. And he's a Don or a mafia leader or something. What was most interesting to me was that the way Roxy looked up to him, like she wanted that power. I think this is something that in general sense, girls feel growing up like how they look at their fathers and they think yeah this guy knows how to get stuff done and they also notice the difference between how the world answers differently to their fathers versus their mothers and they also see how their father's anger and arrogance can actually translate into action yeah why would we not want that power right yeah you're right and that's a very astute observation actually and i completely agree Okay, so that's what we had to discuss from the power. And now we want to share why this book gets brownie points from us. Yes, I loved how creative and well-researched this book is. Like with those ads for defensive products for men and power enhancers for women. Just (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I also liked how the undertones of victim blaming reversed were so amazingly written. That in an alternate universe where now men are being assaulted, it just goes to show how many things have been normalized and we have been desynthesized to, which are not okay, totally not okay. And this book literally shows you how it is to be in another person's shoes for once. I totally agree with this. At various points in the book, I was like, this is so refreshing to read that now men have to deal with these things. Yeah, I I don't know how many men have picked this book up, but if you did, they would definitely see the irony in all of it. If they can go over the entire book, right? I'm sure they'll be disturbed by it. (laughs) True. Well, yeah, even girls would, some girls were disturbed by it. (laughs) Yeah, because it's kind of like, it is just reversing the entire, you know, norm of the society as we have seen it. 
So yeah. not everyone can digest it, I guess. Yeah, so right. Going back to the brownie points, I also love that manufactured exchange of emails between Naomi and Neil, who's the guy who has written this manuscript. The whole back and forth is so amazing. Yeah. Like this man is approaching Naomi, the woman in power, to approve it or publish it. And she recommends to him that he should probably consider publishing this book under a woman's name. Right. This is something female authors have had to do in real life because women's literature was either not taken seriously, did not make money, or they would not get paid. Yeah, I love that too. And the gender reversal is too real. Yeah. So I give three brownie points to this book, but I have to take one away. Because there was a part in Delhi where, describing the sense of Delhi, there is frying bhindi with cardamom. Like, who put elaichi in bhindi? <laughs> it's bad enough that people put it in biryani, but now bhindi? <laughs> I don't know what went wrong. It's either a flaw in research or someone's cooking some beard as recipes out there. <laughs> yeah, okay, I agree with this too. <laughs> Overall, this book was a stark comment on the gender inequality that we exist in which has been so normalized that it takes this kind of alternate reality to show how wrong that is. It also reminded me a bit of that Bollywood movies 3, though, which also highlighted this, though, in a lighter and funnier way. Yeah, I love that movie so much. Me too. And I was thinking while reading this book that this should be a Netflix show. That would be a great show. Yeah, yeah that would be a good show. I would watch it. <laughs> this book is also extra special for us in a different way. Because this is the one we both read for a book club. And I think we both were really excited about this book. But the discussion never happened because everyone else in the group was like, this is a very long book. Yeah. I can't comprehend how this was a long book. It's just 300 something pages. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised too. And it's so easy to read as well. There are shorter chapters and I have to confess that, you know, seeing all this violence done against men makes these chapters super interesting as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the story is definitely gripping and some part of us wanted Vendetta since forever and you get that in the book. (laughs) Yeah, we, we do sound like, you know, these crazy feminist extremists, but, you know, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, me either. So, this is the power for us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brown Girls Read Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a 5-star rating and a comment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash browngirlsread slash support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, browngirlsreadpod. And if you have book recommendations for us, you can leave us a comment or message on Instagram. For our next episode, we are reading Ikikai by Hector Garcia. We hope you'll be reading with us. And until then, keep listening.